Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. We are in this vision series and last week we talked about how we see a church where people have an insatiable hunger to grow. And we talked about the best way for us to grow is with each other. It's through discipleship. It's being connected in life groups and those places where we can be, grow, uh, be challenged and encouraged to grow in our faith. Uh, and then uh, we're also gonna be talking about the next generation. Uh, we see a church that's pouring into the next generation. We're gonna do that next week. And uh, that's going to be kind of a, a youth takeover Sunday. How many of y'all ever been in a church that they did a youth takeover Sunday? Well, it, I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really experienced that much growing up, but I know this. It's going to be good next weekend, so you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about how we see a church that's full of compassion for the lost and for the hurting. Today, though, I want to talk to you about seeing a church that is led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we started this series watching a short video from our lead pastor, our founding pastor, Pastor Rick. And in that video, he mentioned a scripture. And this is a scripture that has been a part of our, our church from the very beginning, from its foundation, and it's in Ephesians. Uh, and so I wanna read that, but I, I wanna add a couple of verses to the front end and the back end of the verses that we normally read out of that. In Ephesians 5.14, this is a New Living Translation, it says this, for the light makes everything visible. How many of y'all know we are living in some dark times? Uh, we need a lot more than natural light to be able to have clarity in what we need to see on what God is doing. And we need to be that light. We need to be that salt and light to the, to the world around us. So we don't get that without the Spirit of God inside of us. This is why it is, it is said, awake, O sleeper. Okay, so this is, this is quoting one of the prophets. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead. And that is a good exhortation and call to every one of us, but especially the body of Christ, that it is time to wake up and be the body that God has called us and created us to be. It says, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. That word opportunity, it means favorable moment. And the thing I've learned about favorable moments is they don't always hang around. And a lot of times those favorable moments, they are passing. And the Holy Spirit is always gonna be moving. The, the, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And so we have to be aware of when the Spirit gives us opportunities that we lay hold of those things. And we have to see them and lay hold of them. Why? Because we're living in evil times. And if we're not partnered up and coupled with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing and when he's doing it, we're gonna miss something huge. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord's will or what he wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So today I'm gonna to talk to you about Holy Spirit. And when we talk about Holy Spirit, I, I, I sense that a lot of times, and I think it's, especially here in the Bible Belt. Anytime I start talking about Holy Spirit, there seems to be a little bit of tension that can rise in the room. 
Like, I feel like a lot of you would rather talk about how your marriage is going than talk about Holy Spirit. You'd rather talk about finances than talk about Holy Spirit. I don't know why that is necessarily. I do understand some of the reasons, but I've noticed that when I talk about God the Father, like, people just relax. And you talk, you know, especially once you have a, a healthy context of God the Father, it's like, man, that's nice. You just want to chill, you know, maybe grab a cup of hot chocolate, wrap up in a Snuggie. You guys remember the Snuggies? Kind of weird things. Because God the Father, it just makes you feel warm inside. And then we talk about Jesus, and we know we need a Savior, and we're thankful for the cross. We love hearing the stories, love hearing the miracles. And so a lot of times it's just chill, and we can sit back and take some notes. But when we talk about Holy Spirit, people get tense. And some of you, you may feel that way right now. It's like, oh man, this church is about to get weird. About to get weird up here and you're leaning over, don't drink the coffee. There's no telling what they put in it. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit. There's a big foundational truth that you have to know. And, and the word I'm going to use with this, I don't even know that it's the right word. But I'm going to use it anyway. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. You got to know that. And, and I don't even know if weird's the right word, though, because the word does say that we are strange and peculiar people, okay? There are things about our faith that are kind of weird. Like, if, if you didn't understand the context of our faith at all, but, but somebody was going to try to explain it based on what they know, it's like, okay, so basically you believe in some guy that you never met that lived a couple thousand years ago, and because you believed in him that he lived, rose from the dead, went to heaven, has created this magical place where you're going to live with him forever, and the way that you signify that you believe in him is you get dunked in water. Weird. Like, all that is weird. So there is part of our faith. And so I don't know if weird's the right word, but I do know there's some other words that I would say that the Holy Spirit is not. He is not spooky. He is not about fear. He is not about confusion. And he is not about arrogance. And some of the reasons why people get turned off when we talk about Holy Spirit is because their, their context is they met somebody that had the Holy Spirit and acted like they were better than everybody else because they had him. I want to tell you that is not the spirit that we're talking about. That's a different spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. That's not who he is. Your auntie may be weird. Your brother may be weird, but the Holy Spirit doesn't make people weird. People make him look weird. People can turn other people off to him because of how they act, but who is he? He is a person. He's a person as a believer, we serve a trying God. The Trinity is hard to explain, but there are three different people that manifest three different ways. God the Father is in heaven. Whatever dimension that is, I'm looking forward to getting there. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. Who is here with us? Holy Spirit. I think one of the most fundamental things that I would encourage you with, if you don't take anything else away, try spending more time talking to him directly and specifically. Just try that, if nothing else. What do I mean? God's not hung up on semantics, but most of the time when we pray, we say the names of God. What names do we say? We say God, Father, Lord, Jesus. How often do we pray to the actual manifested, manifest, manifested presence of God that's with us, Holy Spirit? How many times do we actually speak to him specifically? So if you don't take anything else away, I would encourage you, try that. Because he is, he's a person. 
He's a person. He is God. He is God. He's power. He's a counselor. You know who he is to me? He's my best friend. And I just want to tell you right now, without who he is, and also without the gifts that he makes available, without those things in my life, I would not be in ministry today. There is no way. Look, I, 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 I'm sure there's some people that are godly enough out there. Maybe that they, do, they don't have to have who he is and they don't have to have his gifts. I'm just not one of those people. I have to have him. I promise you, if I didn't have him operating, if I didn't have a relationship with him every day of my life, I wouldn't be in ministry. And worse than that, I would be on one of those, those primetime shows where they're investigating some sort of criminal and they would be investigating me. Like that's, that, that's probably who I would be without the Holy Spirit. He's that important in my life. And the, and the fact of the matter is, he's that important in your life. It's just all of us are in different places of recognizing who he is. And so that's what I wanna try to bring some clarity to, most importantly. The person of the Holy Spirit. Who is he? There's this great word picture in this scripture that I just read in Ephesians. Because what it says is, don't get drunk on wine. And someone might be saying right now, I'm good, I only get drunk on Jack Daniels, so I'm good, I don't get drunk on wine. It's, that's, not my, that's not what I think. You're really kind of missing the point, okay? It says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so look, I know that nobody in here has ever been drunk before, so let me explain. Uh, when a person gets drunk, first of all, they get drunk by drinking. Okay, you can write that down. Okay, I'm, I don't want to get too far ahead of you now. No one has ever gotten drunk by staring at an alcohol advertisement. Okay, no one has ever gotten drunk by playing with the label on a bottle of Jose Cuervo. Okay, that, that, that's not how that happens. You've never had somebody say, Dad, I, I, I have no idea what happened. I, I, I just was staring at a beer bottle, and the next thing I know, I wake up, and I'm puking in the back of a cop car with a brand new lower back tattoo, and I had no idea how I got there. Like, that doesn't happen that way. How does it happen? They, on purpose, drink. It's an act of their free will. And at the beginning, they're in control. But as they drink, there comes a point, don't miss this, when what is put inside of them controls them. It controls them. That is when it becomes sin. Anything in your life that brings you past the point where you are able to operate in the fruit of the spirit, who God has created you to be. As soon as you get to the place where you cross that line and that, whatever it is, it could be shopping, it could be substance abuse, it could be whatever it is. As soon as it takes you to the place where you are now operating outside of the word of God, his will and how he created you to be, that's when it becomes sin. It's controlling you at that point. We call it under the influence. So here's a good question. You ever been around somebody who is drunk and the alcohol, the alcohol transforms them into somebody completely different? Like before alcohol, they were shy, introverted. Now you can't get them to shut up. Super outgoing. 
Before alcohol, couldn't get a girlfriend to save their life. Now they're walking around the room like Christopher Hensworth to every lady in the room. Or they were a little bit humble. Now there's some short, ugly dude that somehow acquires an Irish accent and is trying to start a fight with everybody that's there. They just turned into somebody that they're not. Okay, so what alcohol will do to you physically on a negative end that can become sin for sure, the Holy Spirit can do for you spiritually in a positive way that'll help you connect to the kingdom of God. That's what he can do. And when you're, but here's the thing, when you're under the influence of alcohol, you don't have to try to act drunk, okay? You don't have to act like you're staggering around acting a fool. You will because you're under the influence of alcohol. Well, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you stop trying, you stop trying to change. You stop trying to be different. You stop trying to stop doing certain things because who you are filled with, that transformation will happen naturally because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't have room for all that stuff because you're filled. You're under his influence. And this is key to the Christian life. So I want to look at the, this, this same passage of Scripture, but in, in a little bit different translations. This is the NIV, Ephesians 5, 14 through 18. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So I think there's a few things that happen when we are not living a Spirit-filled life, when we're not pursuing relationship with Him. Uh, first of all, you're gonna live life asleep. You live life asleep. This is like you're a zombie. I wonder how many of you, if we surveyed right now, you would say, that you feel like most of your Christian life has been sluggish. Like you're just sleepwalking. Sleepwalking through life, just in the routine. Like even as a believer, just in the routine. I wonder how many people would admit to that. Anybody ever seen somebody sleepwalking before? Okay. It can be funny, but it can also be really scary. Like freaky. I have a lot of my family members that sleepwalk. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's genetic, what's going on, but I have several family members that sleepwalk. And at one point, I remember several years ago, I was down in San Antonio and I was visiting my mom, but I was staying at my mama's house. And one night I was up late. I don't remember just watching a show or whatever. And all of a sudden, mama, my mama comes walking out of her room. And I was like, hey, mama. She didn't respond. Mama, no response. I'm like, oh, she's sleepwalking. And I was conflicted. I was like, do I wake her up? I was like, nah, let's watch. And so she comes out. The next thing I know, she opens the closet, pulls the vacuum out of the closet. I'm like, surely she's awake now. Mama, no response. She's still sleepwalking. Next thing I know, she unwinds the cord, plugs the cord in, and starts vacuuming her living room. And I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. How awesome would it be? to wake up in the morning and your whole house is clean. 
and you're not sure how it got that way. You're just a little sore, and it's like, who got the vacuum out? You know, that's weird. But it, 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 was, it was interesting because it, she was just acting. She's acting like herself, honestly. My mama, that's just who she is. She would be cleaning the house all the time. It's like, she's so clean that she dreams about it, you know? It's, it's like... But I think that there's probably a lot of believers who are sleepwalking through life because they aren't being led by the Spirit of God to participate in the kingdom of God, but instead they're being led by what is natural and only adding to a natural world. I wonder if there's a lot of people that are sleepwalking because they, they're just not asking the Holy Spirit to give them spiritual eyes and ears and words. Another thing that happens when you're not living a spiritual life is you're going to waste your time. What I've discovered is I'm either going to invest my life, I'm going to spend my life, or I'm going to waste my life. And I find that a lot of people live big portions of their Christian life, including their Christian life, and they just throw it away. And what I've noticed is people without the prompting of the Holy Spirit, they have no dream, or they have a low dream, or they have a vague dream, or have the wrong dream. In other words, they're not dreaming about anything big. They don't have a vision for their life. Or they have a very low expectation about what God can do. Really, it's only at the level that they feel like they can accomplish. Or they have a vague dream, meaning there's really no clarity. So they just kind of wander around and they, they bounce back and forth. They change churches all the time. They change cities that they live in all the time. Or they have the wrong dream. They're running after things that they never got from God. But they even try to put God's name on it. But he was never the one that gave it to them. And they'll waste their time. But the Spirit of God, when you live with him, and he fills you up. He gives you God's dream, his plan. Another thing that happens, you make unwise decisions. Typically because you're gonna make decisions based on feelings and emotions or based on your knowledge of the good and evil that you see around you instead of how God would see it, what his word would say about it. I think a good example of this is Solomon in the Bible. You know, what, what a tragic story. The very beginning when God came and was going to give the kingdom to Solomon, he, he offered him, he's like, I'll, because of your father, because of your father's heart, I'll give you anything that you ask for. And Solomon got it right to a certain degree in that moment, because what he asked for, he says, I want wisdom. So God gives him wisdom. He has, he's so smart, he has so much wisdom that he starts building a kingdom that had never been seen before, never probably had, will ever be seen. Now, he, the, the amount of wealth that he had, even in today's economy, would still make him one of the richest people that has ever lived. But what happened? You know, at one point or another, he starts being foolish. He has all this wisdom, but then he starts marrying way too many wives. I just wanna encourage you, man, one wife is plenty. It's, it's plenty, okay? It's plenty. Got, got, you are at your capacity, all right? Just take care of it. But he starts marrying all these women, and they've got all these gods, and he's letting them worship by the gods, and then he starts worshiping those gods with them. Isn't that crazy? The reason why is because even though he had the wisdom of God, he didn't have the same spirit that his father had from God. Solomon wasn't in that place where he was saying, and take not your Holy Spirit from me like his, his dad had prayed when he had fallen into sin. He didn't have that. So he had all this knowledge, all this wisdom, but not the right spirit. And he made really 
foolish choices. And it destroyed his family for generations. Another thing is you're not going to know the will of God. If you don't live spirit-filled, you're not going to know the will of God. And the number one question that people will ask me or the people want to know is, what is God's will for my life? And that's a big question. And a lot of people struggle with that. Am I in it? Am I out of it? Am I safe or unsafe? The Holy Spirit must be the dominating influence in your life. That's how your life was designed. And if he's not, you're going to have a very difficult time knowing what God's will is. Very difficult. So I want to keep looking at this passage in Ephesians, and I, I think there's some major truths. I want to start with one big principle, and then I want to talk about some practical steps that it takes, I think, to live a spirit-filled life. But one big point, God commands us to be filled. That is strong, but it's true. God commands us to be filled. Verse 18, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know what's interesting is God doesn't even command us to be saved. He invites us to be saved. But once we're saved, he commands us to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because he knows we're in trouble if we don't have the Holy Spirit. He knows if we're not living a life that's pursuing an understanding of who he is and being filled up with his character every day, we're in trouble. Jesus knew that. He gave some very specific instructions around it. Look, this is how big of a deal it is to walk with the Spirit. After Jesus rose from the grave, there were probably about 500 of his disciples that saw him raised from the dead, heard the Great Commission, saw him ascend into heaven. Okay, at that point, guess what? They had the gospel message. They understood the power of the resurrection. They understood Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They had all of that. It could have been very easy for them to just go and start preaching that everywhere. But Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Go wait and pray for what? The Spirit to come. The Helper to come. The Counselor to come. Because without Him, it doesn't matter if you have the knowledge of everything that God has done for you, you will be powerless to hold on to it and to give it to other people. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. But that's how big of a deal. That's why he commands, be filled with the Spirit. But here's the thing. A lot of times when it comes to these types of commands, it is hard for us in our human nature to receive it. Like if Cody is going to ask me to do something, I would like for her to say, hey, baby, like when you get around to it, if it's convenient to you, like when you're, it's all right, like when you're done finishing that fifth piece of pizza and after you finished your second Snickers ice cream bar and, and later on this week, like if it came to your mind and you were feeling good about it and even if you thought about it, I will hook you up, I'll hook you up. But if you could at some point when it was convenient for you, if you could take my car to get it fixed, that would be amazing. But no problem, no, no pressure just when you're ready. Like, most of us men would be like, okay, yeah, that's how I would like for her to ask me. But, but then they're like, hey, big boy, get off your lazy butt, get my car fixed. What's going on, right? But here's the thing, like, as a man, when they say that, like, they're in charge. They're taking command. We want to say... Yes, ma'am. Yep, as soon as, 
is. Right? <laughs> right? Yes, dear. I've never said yes, dear, to my wife. If I said yes, dear, to my wife, she would know something's up. She would know at that point he's being a smart aleck. She'd be like, what did you call me? You got a problem? No, ma'am. Gonna go get your car fixed right now. I'm really excited about it. No, I wasn't doing anything else. No, I wasn't enjoying just sitting here doing nothing. I need to do something. Well, I'm gonna go do that. That sounds like the best idea ever. It's gonna be fun. But we don't like being commanded around. I think a lot of times in our human nature, it's the same thing when God tells us stuff like this. Because God doesn't say, hey guys, just checking in on you. Hey, be really nice. Like if you thought about it, you know, like maybe when it's convenient for you, if you could be filled with the Holy Spirit or something like that. I'm just saying, just a thought. No, that's not how he says it. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not a suggestive topic. But the word filled, that's a problem, right? What does that mean to be filled with the Spirit? Because a lot of times when people think about that, they immediately think of Pentecost. And some people get scared when they hear the word Pentecost. A lot of it's because it's just gotten a bad rap. But I don't know why. The word Pentecost simply means 50. So unless you're 49 years old, I don't understand why you're freaking out. Like if you're 49 years old, we understand why you're freaking out. But the rest of you, it means 50. But why? Why do people freak out? Because people think that that means that things are getting ready to get weird. People are going to start swinging from the lights. There's going to be people running around the room with banners that say Lion of Zion and blowing horns. And there's going to be 50 people all prophesying at one time, yelling in tongues that no one understands. And some of y'all came from a church that was like that. That's their flavor. If they're being obedient to what God's asked them to do, then you go. You do it. Other people come from churches like, no, we were taught that that is from the devil. Okay, those are the ditches that we deal with. Those are the ditches in the South. There's one ditch where it, it, it's ultra conservative and they were taught, hey, the gifts of the spirit for a certain different, for a certain time in the New Testament only to get the gospel to spread. But at one point or another, they stopped. Those gifts should not be exercised. They should not manifest anymore. And some churches will go as far to say, if you see any of those gifts manifesting, including tongues, it's demonic and you should run away from that place. They're wrong. That's one ditch. They're wrong. That's just the ditch they're in. But there's the other ditch. The other ditch is, no, it's all about the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. And if in every church service and every meeting you're ever in, if you don't see the manifestation of all these gifts, if there's not tongues, if there's not prophecy, if there's not healings, if there's not people running around, if people are not expressing what they're feeling in the Spirit, then they're not even a Christian church. They don't even understand who God is. And they're wrong. They're wrong. Those are the two ditches. The Holy Spirit, he is a gentleman. He's not interested in legalism and condemnation and shame. And he's not interested in confusion and fear and arrogance. That's just not who he is. That is not his character. So what about us? Who are we as a church? And I'm not saying this is a comparative statement because like I said, I'm glad those different flavors of church are out there because they're reaching people. But this is 
who we are and what we believe God has given us is our mandate. We want to be a non-goofy, non-spooky, spirit-filled church. We're just so not in to the spookiness and the goofiness. And we're so not in to drawing attention to ourselves. Because anytime you start drawing attention to yourself, you are taking attention off of God. And the very purpose of a church service or just the body of Christ and how it is designed is to give all glory and all attention to God. To bring all attention to Jesus. Because if Jesus will be lifted up, then all men will be drawn onto him. It can't be about attention about a person. And them trying to look like they're super spiritual because I'm able to do these things. Oh, you're not? That is not the spirit of God. That's not who he is. I'm a little passionate about this. I've seen abuse on both of those ditches. I've experienced it personally. I'm so thankful by his grace that I got to know who Holy Spirit is apart from all those misconceptions. Honestly, I've been able to do a lot of that here in this church because of our leadership, because of Pastor Rick. The bottom line is this. There are things about God that you're not going to be able to wrap your brain around. And that's why they are good gifts. Because if you could wrap your brain around them, you would mess them up. Because as soon as your knowledge and your ability to control stuff gets in there, it's not going to be very good anymore. No offense, but there are things the Holy Spirit can do in you and through you that you won't be able to wrap your brain around that are from him. But it's going to take you surrendering your ability to control it. God wants to do that. Here's what I know. We will miss God's word and his will if we don't stay according to his word. We will miss the power of it. And in that, we will miss the spirit of God. But if we don't seek his spirit and all that his spirit has to offer, including his gifts, and we will also have a very difficult time accomplishing God's will. We believe that. Our heart's desire, I want you to know this, my heart's desire, if this is your first time you've been here for a little bit, my, my heart's desire is not for you to get in your car, put your hand on the wheel and say, man, this is just a real cool church. Man, I just like, man, they got good coffee. I had a real good time today. I really, I really like, I like, I like how they did everything. I could care less. I could care less. Our heart and our desire, my heart and the desire is for you to get in that vehicle and say, God changed me today. I got my world rocked. I, I, I don't even know how to, how to, I don't even know how to describe it because I wasn't raised in it. I, I, didn't, I don't have a context for it. I just know I experienced something and I can't even put words around it, but I got nice filled. You, I got filled. Or I, I thought I knew what this was and I'd had a context, but honestly, I got turned off by it because it felt like abuse and it felt like manipulation and it felt like bringing attention to a person. But I'm experiencing something different. And even though I know that it's got the same name, it's got a different personality and it's got a different character and I want more of him. That's what I care about. And I want people to be transformed by the presence of God. Because it's only his presence 
that transforms people. It's not a well-written sermon that transforms people. It's the Spirit of God working through it. And I just want that to happen in people's lives. Paul gives us some steps about living a Spirit-filled life. Because I think too often people get so hung up on the gifts, seek the gifts, yes, but people get so hung up on the gifts that they forget or abandon or downplay what's most important, the fruit of the Spirit. God's called us to first and foremost demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit before we're worried about the gifts of the Spirit. But we've got to understand His character and we've got to live in such a way that we are filled up with that Spirit. And if we have those fruits, I promise you, if you seek the gifts, you ask Him for them, He'll give them to you. That's the way it'll work. Some steps that Paul gave us. Verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So one step, speak to one another on a spiritual level. Speak to one another on a spiritual level. This is huge. This is huge. Why? Because we live in a day and age where there's not a lot of spiritual conversation happening. I could prove it right now if I told the men, hey, I want all the men in this room to stand up and I want you to go start talking to all the other men. But here's the, here's the parameters. You can't talk to them about sports. You can't talk to them about hunting. You can't talk to them about your job. You can't talk to them about politics. You can't talk to them about the weather. You can't talk about any of those things. You just gotta have a conversation. It's gonna get real quiet in this room. There's, not gonna, be, there's gonna be some grunting. <laughs> hey, yeah, hey. Now I will say, that is changing in this church as I speak because we have dozens and dozens of men that are stepping up and getting plugged into biblical community that are getting passionate and excited about talking about the things of God and about his kingdom. They're more interested in having those conversations than they're interested in talking about the game yesterday and that's the way it should be. I don't mind you being a Hogs fan. Just don't worship the Hogs more than you worship Jesus your Savior, your Lord. Don't talk about them more than you talk about your own testimony. Sorry, I'm getting really preachy, but I'm pretty fired up about it. Speak to one another. This is why life groups are so important. Why? Because when you're being filled with the Spirit, you're gonna wanna talk to other people about spiritual things because your spiritual tank's gonna get filled up. But the thing is, as soon as you start speaking to someone else and you're trying to fill their tank up, they're gonna talk back to you and it's gonna fill your tank up. And before you know it, you're reinforcing each other. I'm reinforcing you, you're reinforcing me, and we can keep each other on a spiritual focus. And we need that spiritual focus because the days are evil. Another step, make worship a top priority. It says sing and make music. You know, love and music go hand in hand. They go together. When you fall in love, there's usually music involved. Almost every couple that's in here, you could go back and say, we have our song. I don't want to hear about it, okay? I don't want to hear about it. What I've learned is Cody and I, we had our song, but it's not like we play it like every anniversary. And some of y'all, you're cheesy like that, and that's awesome. I think you should do that. How many of y'all know over time, you're like, we could have picked a better song. I don't know that. That probably shouldn't have been our song. Like, like we need to change. It's because your first song was like the Electric Cowboy or something like that, you know? It's like... We need to get a worship song, I think, to be our song. But music and love, they come together. Did you know that there are more songs that have been written about Jesus than anything or anything or anyone else ever in the history of all mankind? So you could say we are a singing religion, except for one thing, we're not a religion at all. We're a relationship. 
And every time we sing to our Father, it is in a love affair where we are telling him our devotion. You're telling God you love him. And in return, you are welcoming his spirit to fill you. And so many people say, man, I love the worship at your church. I love the worship at your church. But this is the truth. The truth is we had an acoustic set this morning. I don't know if it was by, by design or we just had some people out because it's a three-day weekend. But we didn't have drums and we didn't have electric guitar and we didn't have a bass. And I don't know about you, the Holy Spirit was just as powerful in that worship service as anything where we got everything else. And that's important. You know why? Because it's really not about the speakers and about the lights and about the instruments. It's about hearts that are drawing close to the presence of God and just saying, I love you, Father. I love you. That's when you get the anointing. So if you're still hung up on all that other stuff, that's okay. God will meet you where you're at. But what he really wants is your heart and your devotion. He wants you to come to him and say, I love you. And he's going to say, I love you too. I'm going to fill you up, big boy. I'm here to meet with you. But the problem is this. So many of you too, you come and you get it once a week. God didn't design you to get that once a week. He designed you to get that every day. So worship him. Sing to him. Even if you can't sing. And most of you can't. You can always tell somebody you can't sing. Well, the Lord says make a joyful noise. <laughs> They can't sing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Make a joyful noise. Look, I'm looking forward to it. One day I'm going to get my glorified body, which means I'm also going to get my glorified voice, and I'm going to outsing all you fools, all right? It's going to happen one day. I'm looking forward to it. It's like, okay, step aside, worship leaders. You just missed it while we were on earth, okay? I got you. Okay, it's going to be good. But in the meantime, I'm, not, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to bring my devotion to the Lord. I'm just going to bring my devotion to the Lord. And I don't, I don't wait till I've got this worship team. I don't wait even till I got the right Spotify playlist. I let it just come out of my heart sometimes. Hmm. I'm going so long and I so don't care. Make worship a top priority. Step three, cultivate a grateful heart. Thankfulness, always giving thanks to God, always giving thanks to God. Nothing will suck you dry and empty out your tank quicker than an ungrateful heart. Or being around people that are ungrateful. Hello, if you've ever raised kids. Like, man, I was doing so good until I got around all these ungrateful crumb snatchers. Now I'm like ticked. But a grateful heart, man, whoo, that changes things, man. But this is what it's like. I, I don't drive the most fuel-efficient vehicle ever. <laughs> Electric vehicles, that's funny. Uh, I, I, I drive a Jeep. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I bought it. I didn't know that I was going to be paying more for gas than anybody would ever be paying for gas in the history of all mankind. I didn't know all that. But here's the deal. Like, it is like a, a, a competition for me to get good miles per gallon. Okay, anybody else like this? Like you monitor all that stuff, like you watch your computer and everything. Okay, I geek out a little bit on that. And, but here's what a lot of you don't know, and I'm gonna help you out today. On your RPM gauge, on your RPM gauge, there's this little green line, all right? And that green line indicates that when you are operating within those RPMs, you are at your most efficient fuel economy, okay? And then it, like there's little dots, like they turn in from a green line into green dots. Well, then you're not, you're getting right on the edge of that, right? 
Well, I'm like obsessed with staying in the green, staying in the green. If I pull up to a stop sign or something, I'm not, I'm like, that's about, I didn't always care about that, but how many of y'all know? We caring about that stuff right now. We caring, okay? But what I've also noticed is this. The only time that I go over that and my fuel miles are just tank. Like, I don't know if you can go into the negative, but I feel like my Jeep will. But the only time that happens is when I get in a hurry. I'm not playing, I get in a hurry. And then I'm driving too fast. And when I start driving like that, I never thought I could watch my fuel gauge actually, like watch it physically go down. Like I can do that. Like I can, I could sit there and rev my engine and it just goes, zip, zip. it's crazy. Okay, here's my point. When you live an ungrateful lifestyle, you're gonna drive way too fast through life because it's gonna be all about you and what you need to do and where you need to go and it'll suck you dry of anything that you need to actually be efficient, to actually accomplish the things that God has for you. That's what an ungrateful heart does. It'll suck you dry. Be grateful, be grateful. Paul describes it like this. I've learned to be content in every situation, whether in a lot or in a little, I've learned. It means grateful, grateful. Look, if anybody had a reason to act a little selfish sometimes, Paul certainly did, but he didn't because you realize, man, it is with a grateful heart that the spirit of God fills me up. And it is way more fulfilling than moments of selfishness. So much better. Cultivate a grateful heart. Serve someone. That's another step. Serve someone. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's so much power in serving. Serving your family, the church, the poor. Serving a stranger you didn't even know. This is the fact. The fact is this. I'm either going to be full of myself or I'm going to be full of the Spirit of God. And if you don't want to serve, you are going to be full of yourself all the time. And if you're full of yourself, there won't be room for the Holy Spirit. You'll be full of yourself. But as soon as you start pouring out, every person that's on our serve teams, whether they are greeting at the doors, changing diapers, praying for somebody up here at the altar, making coffee for people, whatever it is, they have been pouring out today. They've been pouring out, but simultaneously the Holy Spirit pours into them. Simultaneously, he fills them back up. Servanthood reflects the spirit of Christ. That's the heart of Jesus So it's no wonder that when you dive into this attitude of life is not about me, I just want to serve someone, you will start living your life beyond yourself and you'll realize that the thing that you are driven by is a different kind of substance that will truly sustain you versus living for yourself. I've got one more step, but I want to lead it with a verse. In John 7, 37, says this, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, come to him. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow within him. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So another step, 
Be thirsty and ask to be spirit-filled. Ask him. Ask him. Whom those who believed in him were yet or later to receive. So when does it happen? When, when, are, when do you fill with the spirit? Well, it's, it's post getting saved, but it's continual. It's continual. This is a daily thing. It's a daily thing because my spirit man battles with my flesh man. And so throughout the course of any one of our weeks, if we're doing things that feed our flesh, I promise you, you're weakening your spirit person. But if you're doing things that the word of God sets out as the parameters, everything that is good and lovely and pure, and anything that is praiseworthy, those types of verses, when you start living your life with those things as your guidelines, then all of a sudden your spirit man begins to get filled up and strong. And there's a great picture. I'm gonna hit this and then we're gonna close. This is a picture that God gave me years ago. It's like inside of each one of our physical bodies, there is an outline that is the spirit man. And God showed me it's like this glowing person, okay? And when I'm submitted and when I am just doing my best, not perfect, no, but when I am inviting the Holy Spirit and I wanna hang out with him, and especially when I wanna hang out with him right after I blew it, but I just come back to him and I just say, I, I know I messed up, but I, there's, there's nothing more important than just getting back in your presence and spending time with you. And when that's my heart, and I, and, I, and I choose to reject the things of the world, reject the things that my flesh would wanna feed on. When I do that, my spirit man grows, gets stronger. And you know what the world around us needs? The world around us needs the body of Christ that their spirit person is so much bigger than their natural person that their spirit person is impacting them. Like when you walk in a room, you can be in such a place where the Spirit of God is moving you in such a way that people will notice that Spirit before they even notice you. God wants to do that. And yes, you should seek the gifts. The Word says that. Just seek them. Ask them about them. Why are they important to me? Like I said, because if I didn't have them, if I didn't have them, my spirit man would be really weak. But you don't have to have them to be spirit filled. You don't. I just don't know why you wouldn't want them if you could have them. But you have to ask. You wanna be spirit filled? Ask. You want the gifts of the spirit? Ask. Ask. You have not because you ask not. It's not just that you believe. Ask him. He's a gentleman. He's not gonna force his way in. He's just waiting on you to recognize him and ask him. Close your eyes, bow your heads, cross this room. The first more, most important thing is this. Salvation. Salvation. It's you surrendering to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're here and you haven't done that, if you're here and you haven't done that, today is the day of your salvation. And it's just you admitting it. It's you admitting it that you just, you've been in a cycle. You might have even been in a Christian cycle, but it was just a, it was a label and not a relationship. God wants a relationship.
I'm not, I'm not going to belabor this because I know the Spirit has already spoken to you. Because the Spirit is also our conviction. And if you're here and you feel that, you feel it in your heart, you feel that conviction, I, I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to it and just say, all right, Jesus, I surrender. And I'm just going to ask you to be bold enough to admit it. Across this room, if that's you, I want you to put your hand up. And you can put your hand up and look up at me. As soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. I need Jesus. I'm ready to surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. I'm away from him. Anybody in this room? Sometimes it's hard for me to see. Got you. Thank you. I see you. Thanks for being bold with that. Anybody else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. I got you. Yes. 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 Got you. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I know I need him. I'm ready. Anyone else? Okay. Now, I want you to know, and you know this now, like you raising your hand is not what gets you saved, but I know as soon as you raise your hand, it's like, man, that willingness. It's like as soon as you raise your hand, something got lifted off. And simultaneously, the grace of God came on you. But we do need to just have an honest conversation with the Lord. And just say something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. But I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I surrender to you. And I repent. I repent. I turn away from living for myself. and living for the world I want to live according to your plan and your purpose. I need you. Would you come and fill me up? Would you come and fill me with your spirit? Would you come and help me understand my purpose? Would you give me a passion and desire for your word? Would you help me be connected to the body of Christ? I surrender to you, Jesus. The word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. And so if you didn't pray that prayer out loud at one point or another, you need to confess with your mouth that you've declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do that with somebody that you came here with today. At one point or another, it'd be great for you to do that through water baptism for your whole church family to see, I'm, I'm gonna live for Jesus. But do that today.